Support for this podcast and the following message come from HubSpot, whose enterprise CRM platform is both powerful and easy to use, helping marketing, sales, and customer services teams generate leads, accelerate sales, and create remarkable experiences. Grow better at HubSpot.com. Hey, thanks again for listening to Ask Me Another, and I just want to let you know about some other great NPR podcasts to check out, especially this one if you need car advice, tips, troubleshooting, occasional answers to your car questions. I'm talking about the Car Talk podcast with Click and Clack, the Tappet Brothers. Laugh along anytime to the Car Talk podcast. Find it now at npr.org slash podcasts and on your NPR One app. From NPR and WNYC, live from the Byam Theater in Pittsburgh, it's NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia, Ask Me Another. Here's your host, Ophira Eisenberg. Thank you, Jonathan. Our VIPs are the hosts of the hit NPR show, Invisibilia, and if you haven't heard it, Invisibilia focuses on the invisible forces that control human behavior. Like what forces you to eat every single Pepperidge Farm cookie in that sleeve in one sitting? But they do pose other important questions like what would you do if you had no fear, no anxiety, weren't held back by your own thoughts? And the answer is of course, you would eat the other sleeve as well. For further investigation into pressing scientific questions, we'll talk to our VIPs, Elise Spiegel and Lulu Miller. Let's say hello to our first two contestants, John Sunday and Will Asink. John, we so often tape our show in New York that I don't often get to talk to someone who hunts. I mean, if people could hunt in Brooklyn, they would do it. That would be the most artisanal, organic, <laughs> cool hipster hobby on the planet. So if I were to start hunting, what, what, what should I start with? Uh, Pennsylvania would be deer, um, but I would recommend you start at Whole Foods because it'll be cheaper. <laughs> okay. Got it. It will be cheaper. Yes. Really? Yeah, I've been hunting since I was 12, and I've probably got it down to three or $400 a pound, so... Wow. Yeah. Now, Will, you are an HR analyst for a hospital chain. Yes. Uh, I don't know exactly what that means, but it sounds intense. You have to have a passion for data integrity. Oh. (laughs) I don't know why you're getting all flirty at the beginning of the show. (laughs) (laughs) You uh, You know how brands have taglines? If you gave yourself a tagline, other than the pretty amazing one you just did, uh, but what would it be? It'd be, hang in there, baby. Hang in there, baby. Uh, For two reasons. Number one, my spirit animal is a cat poster. And number two, (laughs) and and the second reason is I'm getting married in April. Oh. John, how about you? What's your tagline? It would have to be, wait, I could have said that better. Okay, yeah, I get it. This game is called National Public Roundup. As you know, all NPR shows feature funding credits, right, at the end, where we thank supporters of public radio. Thank you, supporters of public radio. We are tweaking the line that ends with, this is NPR. Jonathan Colton? Yes. Can you give us an example? I would be happy to. Support for NPR comes from NPR member stations and this cyborg-playing actor who promises, I'll be back. This is N.P. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Ah, see? (laughs) So all of the answers will fit on the end of This is NPR. Ring in when you know the answer, and the winner of this round will move on to our final round at the end of the show. Here we go. Support for this program comes from a cult sitcom about a family who lost everything and the one son who had no choice but to keep them all together. Will. This is NPR Arrested Development. Yes, it is. 
We'd like to thank this legendary biblical object sought by Indiana Jones, using ancient technology to defeat fascism in the free world. John. This is NPR Ark of the Covenant? That's right. Ask Me Another in this message is brought to you by America's number one trusted baking soda brand and the power of innovative thinking about baking soda. Will. This is NPR and Hammer. <laughs> yes, indeed. Support for the station comes from a 90s action movie starring Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck. Saving the world from a giant asteroid through higher learning and the promise of a better tomorrow. John. This is NPR Armageddon. You are correct, it is. That was the better asteroid movie. I don't mind telling you. Oh, deep impact. Come on. Nope. Oh. I'll, I'll fight you on this, Will. I will. <laughs> I got to say, with Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck, I was cheering for the asteroid. Killed one of them, so congratulations. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I, <laughs> I hope I didn't just ruin Armageddon. Armageddon. <laughs> Seriously, you should have watched it by now. It was a pretty big movie. <laughs> Support for Car Talk comes from a family film about a difficult road trip starring Ice Cube, because children who travel together grow up to lead healthy, productive lives. John. This is NPR. Are we there yet? Yes, that's right. All right. All right, this is your last clue. Support for Invisibilia comes from an irrational fear of spiders, nature's builders in a more just, verdant, and peaceful world. John. What, this is NPR arachnophobia? Yes. Let's go to our puzzle guru, Art Chung, and find out how did our contestants do? It was a close game, but congratulations, John. You're moving on to the final round. Our next game is called Fictional Full Names, and our contestants are Samantha Bennett and Katie Pugh. Samantha, Katie, good names. Have you ever had an embarrassing nickname that you were trying to get rid of? I think really, I mean, when you have a last name like Pew, <laughs> yeah. there are a lot of things that come about in like, you know, grade school and college and at work, you know, and it's, there's lots of... <laughs> so your entire life. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it just kind of follows you. So, I mean, it's variations of Pew and Pooh, and it's basically been that ad nauseum. <laughs> Samantha, how about you? Very briefly in college, I had a mercifully short-lived nickname, Grover. Grover? And why? Hey, everybody! <laughs> Back to the game. So even fictional characters get tagged with bad nicknames is the point that sometimes they cannot shake. So we are going to quiz you on some famous fictional characters that are known only by their nickname. For example, on the HBO series Entourage, everyone called the character Salvador Asante Turtle because he kind of looked like a turtle. <laughs> it was kind of turtle-esque, I guess, yeah. <laughs> he had a turtle-like feature. So we're going to give you the full name, and you have to give us the better-known nickname... And, of course, the winner will move on to our final round. Let's give it a shot. Now 56-years-old Barbara Millicent Roberts has had over 150 careers, including veterinarian, astronaut, NASCAR driver, and, according to her website, rap musician. Barbara Millicent Roberts, fictional person. She's a real doll. Nice one. Samantha. Barbie. Yeah. Yes, that is correct. Rap musician. 
Yeah. Her album was called Fear of a Pink Planet. Mm. It's adorable. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. <laughs> Patricia Reichart is also known as Sir to her closest friend, Marcy. Sam. Peppermint Patty. That's right, yes. Oscar Zoroaster Phaedrig Isaac Norman Henkel Emmanuel Ambrose Diggs is a circus magician who promotes himself by putting his first two initials on his hot air balloon. Just don't look behind the curtain. <laughs> Samantha? The Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz! <laughs> wow. Yeah! When you put it all together, it's very complicated. I mean... <laughs> Not to be confused with the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, Babendum has been selling tires since 1894. Katie. Michelin Man. That is correct. The Michelin Man. Norval Rogers likes solving mysteries with a talking dog and is often afflicted by the munchies. <laughs> Katie. Scooby and... Yeah, right. uh, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. um, Oh my God, Shaggy. Shaggy is correct. <laughs> wow. It's a lot easier when I'm in my car and not looking at people, and I'm like, oh, I know all these answers. <laughs> of course. Yeah, it's a little extra pressure standing it up is. here. Yeah, of course, that's heavy. normal. I like whoever in the crowd just went, say it! <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. That is some tough love. Extremely <laughs> helpful. Yeah. Why is she not saying it? Why doesn't she just say it? <laughs> I'm going to lose it! We're two games in, and I can't believe this. <laughs> John Reed was never really by himself when he was out riding with his Kimosabe. Sam. Tonto. Oh, I'm sorry, the Lone Ranger. <laughs> you clearly know them all, yes. A silver bullet for you, you are correct. And this is your last clue. Gordon Shumway sounds more like a tax accountant than an alien from the planet Melmac. This is my favorite show starring an alien who eats cats. That's right. Alf. Katie says Alf, and she is correct. Let's go to our puzzle guru, Art Chung. It was a tough game, but Sam, congratulations. You're moving on to the final round. Up, we'll get back to our roots, and by that we mean the bleached out roots of 80s hair bands, and the hosts of NPR's Invisibilia will get in touch with their emotions. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and you're listening to Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Bleecker Street, presenting Trumbo. Who was Dalton Trumbo? To some, he was the Academy Award-winning writer who authored the novel Johnny Got His Gun and the screenplays for Roman Holiday and Spartacus. To others, he was a dangerous subversive who was blacklisted by Hollywood for his political beliefs. Starring Brian Cranston as Dalton Trumbo, Louis C.K., Elle Fanning, John Goodman, Diane Lane, and Helen Mirren. Written by John McNamara, directed by Jay Roach. Trumbo now playing in theaters. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Sonos, the smart system of wireless speakers. Sonos lets you listen to any song in any room of your house or the same one in every room. Classics in the kitchen, R&B in the bedroom, Ask Me Another in the living room, and rock and roll in the whole house. Learn more at sonos.com NPR. This is Ask Me Another from NPR and WNYC. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me is our house musician, Jonathan Colton, and our puzzle guru, Art Chung. (laughs) 
Our next game is called Living on My Hair. And here to play it are Adrian Vargo and Del Trice. Adrian, Dale, if you had to describe to me the worst or most radical haircut or hairstyle you have had in your life to date, what would it be, Dale? Well, in college, I once shaved my head for dinner. The cost of dinner was shaving your head? Yeah. Why? Well, I didn't have any money, and <laughs> yeah, we, we were sitting that. in an apartment, <laughs> and our friends said they were going to order food, and I said, well, I don't have any money, and they said, well, you shave your head, we'll buy you dinner. So did you learn a lesson? No. <laughs> no, okay. That's pretty good. Adrian? Uh, so growing up in the late 80s, early 90s, I had the unfortunate crunchy hairspray poofy bang thing oh, yeah. going on. Yeah, that's back, by the way. You could wear that now. <laughs> I'll go out and do it tomorrow, yeah. Did you love it? Oh, it was a lot of investment. I would get up really early. You'd have to do all the teasing and then like make sure it was perfect, like a little cloud. A little cloud of gentle bangs. <laughs> yes, I'm in. So no matter how talented or accomplished you are, the thing that makes you an icon is, of course, your hair. Isn't that right, hair icon Jonathan Colton? Well, obviously, Ophira. <laughs> yeah. So what we have done is we have rewritten the Bon Jovi song, Living on a Prayer, to be about famous people with famous hair. All you have to do is tell me who I am singing about, and then we'll move on to our final round at the end of the show. Here we go. Rachel served the coffee on friends. She had a layered shack with flipped choppy ends and Ross. Oi, Ross. <laughs> Dell. Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston, you got it. She says they used to call her the pinup queen, model in the 50s and the S&M scene. Her jet black dresses were not routine, her bangs so short with a sheen. Dell, Betty Page. Betty Page, you got it. <laughs> Dell, you know an awful lot about famous people's hair. It's one of my many talents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's tall for sure. Redhead with a pompadour. Talk show host, his string dance we adore. Redhead with a pompadour. Dell. Conan O'Brien. Yeah, you got it. Drumming in the roots every night What's that in his fro? Adding to its height His comb <laughs> His comb Dell Questlove Questlove, you got it He says he was a model for romance books He can't believe it's butter though it's doubtful he cooks A tall Italian with rugged looks Long hair is one of his hooks Del Fabio That's correct Adrian, what happened? Uh, I don't know. Do you want to check your buzzer? <laughs> yeah. All oh, right. It, it does work. Okay. Have you ever seen Fabio as a sex symbol? Mm, can't say. No. I no, I don't no. think so. I don't mean either. I don't understand how people are like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, no. I know. It's like, do you also like the Beastmaster? Like, what is your... <laughs> I don't see anything wrong with those dudes. <laughs> Sister Act 2 Dreadlocks That's a major clue Adrian Whoopi Yes, Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> Well done Art Chung, how did our contestants do? Well, 
Let me uh, tally up the scores. Uh, Dell, congratulations. You're all about the hair. You're moving on to our final round at the end of the show. Do you have the hair for radio? Then come be a contestant on our show. Just go to amatickets.org, fill out our contestant quiz, and if you have the trivia bangs, you can be playing games with us right here on stage. Do it. Our VIPs took the world by storm with their mind-blowing show, Invisibilia, and after you've heard it, you don't see the world in the same way again. Please welcome our VIPs, Elise Spiegel and Lulu Miller. This is our first game show. Really? I'm gonna crush. I like the spirit. Uh, by the way, three women talking at the same time on I know. the radio. Oh my God, can anyone tell us apart? What's going to happen? I know. How will they know? They won't. They won't. They're just going to be totally confused. <laughs> are you, I know you've talked about that uh, in your early show. You were like, all right, we get yeah, it. Yeah. Are you so sick of that conversation? I am sick of that conversation. Well, I thought that this was, it came up early. There were some early drafts. People brought it up and I was like, these people are sexist and they don't know. And then my dad was like, <laughs> that was a great piece you did on the woman. And I was like, oh, that, yeah, that was 18 minutes of not your daughter. So <laughs> maybe it's legitimate. I don't know. Is that what you call Elise, not your daughter? I'm not his daughter. <laughs> That's very good. I'm not NYD. any of your daughters. <laughs> now, the way you guys started working together is kind of a meet-cute story in itself, uh, but I'll let you tell it how you got in touch and decided we should do a show together. It involves a butcher knife. <laughs> um, it involves a butcher knife? Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, okay, so we met at Third Coast, which is kind of like a, um, it's a convention for radio dorks. Okay. And I had this story that I was working on, actually, which was the first story in the show, Thoughts, and it's about um, all of the kind of different ways of thinking about your thoughts, and I pitched the story to her, and it involved, like, this, this therapist who tries to prove to his patients that their thoughts don't mean anything by having, like they have like these really, really violent, horrible thoughts and he wants to prove to them and they're afraid that they're gonna kill other people and he wants to prove that they're not gonna kill by other people by making them hold a knife to his throat. And I pitched that to Lulu and she was like, I'm in. <laughs> and then we went to LA and Elise hold a butcher knife to a therapist's throat and uh -huh. like the rest is history. Yeah. What was it like to hold a It was blade? really weird. I was like sweating. It she was, was tempted. Weird. She was tempted. <laughs> I, 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 it was just weird. It was weird. And I was just like, the entire time I was like, I know this is not in like the NPR ethics handbook. Like I know <laughs> there's a section where you're not supposed to hold a knife to the interviewer's throat, like interviewee's throat. I know that. But, you know. I would love it if it just said that explicitly. <laughs> right. It was like, no. Number four, no <laughs> knives. Yes, no <laughs> knives to the interviewee. Yeah. Ask forgiveness, not permission. <laughs> <laughs> but you both uh, obviously have done amazing things for your life, but also have worked in public radio. At least you were one of the founding uh, producers of This American Life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Lulu, you were, yes. Lulu, science desk reporter and contributor and producer on Radiolab. So you come together with the storytelling and science and all these ideas, and what makes Invisibilia different? What distinguishes it? So sometimes we privately call it like secret self-help, like secretly self-help. Like it's not, I think there's a lot of stuff out there that is doing beautiful documenting work and we try to look at stories and look at the science behind them and document it and then right at the end like we add a little like we give a tool we try to in addition to documenting maybe give people stuff that might help them like live their lives a little a little bit a little something that they can integrate yes. mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. which reminds me actually of your episode on fear uh-huh where lulu you agreed to try to conquer your fear of snakes. And Elise, did you not put a snake? She didn't agree. I didn't oh. agree. Well, no. <laughs> she, 
I agreed to do it. I did go out and get a python, but she was not part of, like, consenting. Oh, good. It was yeah. just kind of something that I did to her. Better, yeah. Walked yeah. into the studio, and there was a python, not in a cage. It was in, like, a munchkin donut box. <laughs> it was terrifying. <laughs> Like, it was a terrifying... She just, like, she literally, like, screamed and jumped up onto a thing, onto, like, a desk. And then we had trouble editing, because, like, I didn't... But then there was just, like, true fear. There was just no noise. Like, I was just, like... (laughs) It's true. It was completely silent after that, because she was just, like, ugh. And no one uh, went back to that ethics handbook and uh, checked (laughs) out that? No, it's true. So true, like the things that we brought into NPR and the things yeah, that and we like did. Yeah, like the pet store oh, like, run, and oh, then no, there was and the I would rat. Like, 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 yeah, I had to. I got like a rat. I got like a snake. The I, like, pet I was store guy, like, like, actually was like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> no, really, like they they kind of like kiboshed me after a while. She's They're not like, allowed in anymore. <laughs> like two weeks later, I saw a root <laughs> on the ground <laughs> and on a run, and like nearly sprained my ankle. So, but I think the deal is if you stick with it longer you actually can overcome fears, or so Elise Spiegel and like 98% of the, the psychotherapeutic community believes. <laughs> but in season two, which we were looking forward to, uh-huh. you are focusing an episode on personality? Yeah, yeah, we're looking at um, kind of... It's, should it's, should like, it's, tell them where it starts? Oh, oh, with marriage? Is that what you're talking about? And then we kind of like... We're like, sorry. Yeah, well, we, we, <laughs> yeah it starts, it starts we, we like basically stalked um, all these people who were getting married at the courthouse and we like got them to tell us about the personalities of the person that they just married. And then, and then we kind of, we, we asked the question, how stable is personality over time? And, 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 and we look and more generally like, at the concept the of personality. That's the one thing that stays. I'm marrying this person because yeah. she's feisty and gentle at the same time. And that will stay. And then, and then we, and then we kind of look at it in a slightly different way. All right. So you're breaking up marriages in the first yes. episode. <laughs> That's our goal. So with all of these different, as you're diving into the human psyche and you're talking to all kinds of different medical professionals, and do you end up going, God, humans are amazing, and there's so much joy out there? Or you're like, we live in a dark, scary place. <laughs> I think mostly, like, like it's interesting. It's dark and it's joyful. Perfect. Okay. Well, since you guys are experts on what makes the human psyche tick, we thought your quiz should be about human emotions. So what we did is we asked our audience, mm-hmm. which is mostly filled if we had to kind of characterize them. They are nerdy millennials. Uh-huh. So we asked them various questions about their emotional state, and you just have to guess how our audience responded. Okay, so Elise, Lulu, ring in when you know the answer. You are competing against each other. Okay. And if you get the answer wrong, your opponent will get the point. Okay. Yeah. And guess what? The winner is going to get an Ask Me Another Rubik's Cube. (laughs) Woo! I know. Oh, no. All right, all right. Are you ready? Uh-huh. All right, we asked our audience, what do they regret more, their dating choices or their lunch choices? <laughs> Elise. Their dating choices. I'm sorry, they said lunch choices. Really? <laughs> oh my God, millennials. They're watching millennials, their yeah. 58%. Really? Yeah. See, I just thought that was, if you look at social media, it is basically people not so much proud of who they date, very proud, proud of, of their, their food. Really? Of their food. That's yeah. True. We asked our listeners, what embarrasses you more, your dance moves or your spelling mistakes? What did the majority choose? Lulu. I'm going to say dance moves. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. <laughs> Spelling mistakes are more embarrassing for our audience. Spelling they're just, out. They are spelling so just out. being counterintuitive. They're they just are. being counterintuitive. Just to, just to mess just with you, you think? That's us. what's happening? That's yeah. not fair. I like that you've already attacked. I'm attacking them. <laughs> they're having the wrong emotions, and I'm a professional, I know. <laughs> You're right, though. I thought spelling was over with, too. No one cared about spelling. Right. Yeah, texting? No one no. spells. No, you have autocorrect. Maybe that's what they think spelling is. Maybe they think spelling is like an autocorrect error. And they're like, I've maybe never that's oh, a spelling mistake. mistake. Yeah. Or maybe everyone's like, I dance so well, it would just I have to take that out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
What do you think makes our listeners more anxious, speaking in public or public displays of affection? Elise? Speaking in public. That is incorrect. That is so correct. That is so correct. No, I know this. I'd like this, to I'm fact-checking your audience because your audience <laughs> is wrong. Because I know, because we actually, can I just say this? Yes. We actually did do a whole thing about fear. And so we know, and we went, and like Lulu, you went and you looked at like what our people. But this is a millennial skewed sample size. So So they have all the wrong emotions? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, many people would agree with you, Elise. (laughs) So we asked our audience, what disgusts you more? Rats in the subway? or the person sitting behind you sneezing without covering their face? Elise. <laughs> I think it's going to be sneezing. It is sneezing. Oh. You go. Okay. That is the first one that any of us got correct. And an overwhelming amount, 89%. 89. Yeah. All right, you're right about that. Yeah. Now here's a question. If you used a rat to cover your face while sneezing... <laughs> Even the millennials aren't going to like this. You shouldn't, you shouldn't do that. No. It's too, it's too many disease vectors so in too soft. many different directions. It's too dangerous. We asked our listeners, what do you hate more, someone forgetting your name or someone calling you the wrong name? Lulu. I think forgetting is worse. I... Oh, the audience disagrees. <laughs> the the 82% said someone calling you by the wrong name. I like it when people are like, is it Fifi? Or, like, I, I, I just laugh. I don't know. Fifi? I, oh, that's how, yeah. Like, is it Fifi, Coco? Oh, yeah, what is it? The... All right, this is your last question. We asked our listeners, what makes you angriest? No Wi-Fi? Paying for Wi-Fi? Or some Wi-Fi? <laughs> As on an Amtrak train, for instance. Elise. Some Wi-Fi. Yes, it's yeah. infuriating. That feels like a pretty universal. That is a universal. Yeah. Some Wi-Fi, clearly the problem. <laughs> Paying for Wi-Fi was second. No Wi-Fi, they were like, yeah, we can deal. <laughs> interesting, right? Yeah, very interesting. They would rather have no Wi-Fi than some Wi-Fi. That's right. <laughs> our Chung, how did our VIP contestants do? <laughs> According to our math, Elise, you're our winner. Congratulations. Let's hear it for our VIPs from Invisibilia, Elise Spiegel, and Lulu Miller. Coming up, if you think college tuition is ridiculously expensive, wait till you see what you're actually paying for. And if you like finding order in chaos, we've got your number. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and this is Ask Me Another from NPR. Support for Ask Me Another and the following message come from NatureBox.com. At NatureBox, they understand that your life is busy, and there's not always time to get to the store. NatureBox makes it easy to start snacking smarter. Choose from over 100 tasty options, like sriracha roasted cashews and French toast granola, or fill out your snack profile and get personalized recommendations delivered right to your door. Spend more time doing what you love, and less time trying to find parking. Visit NatureBox.com and get 50% off your first box now. Hello again, just a reminder to check out the Car Talk podcast, especially if you need car advice, tips, troubleshooting, occasional answers to your car questions, or if you just want to laugh. It's with Click and Clack, the Tappet Brothers, and you can find it right now, the Car Talk podcast at npr.org slash podcasts and on your NPR One app. Welcome back to Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. I'm Ophira Eisenberg, and with me is our house musician, Jonathan Colton, our puzzle guru, Art Chung, and we are coming to you from the Byam Theater in beautiful Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Four 
a game titled In a Class by Itself. Let's welcome our next two contestants, Jill Kaufman and Wendy Curtis. Jill, Wendy, did either of you take one of those easy A classes in college just to boost your GPA? Jill, you are nodding. <laughs> I took one called Telecommunications 101, where we watched a movie every week and then we talked about it. It was awesome. What was the telecommunications? I'm not sure. <laughs> Someone just was like, whatever. It was great, though. It's called phoning it in? Is that what it was? <laughs> yeah. I passed. Well done. Well done. Wendy, how about you? Um, badminton. Badminton? <laughs> yeah. Well, as you know, the Pittsburgh area is home to over 25 colleges and universities, including world-class schools like Carnegie Mellon and the University of Pittsburgh. <laughs> But let's face it, even at the best school in the world, there are a few courses that aren't super rigorous, shall we say. Yes, and in this game, we will read class titles and descriptions from unusual college courses. You will tell us whether the class is a preposterous fake that we made up, or a real course that students are amassing thousands of dollars of debt <laughs> to enroll in. This is a buzzer game, so if you answer incorrectly, your opponent will automatically get the point. You ready? Ready. Here we go. The Science of Harry Potter. Frostburg State University in Maryland. That's right, a course on the science of wizards. This course examines the magical events in J.K. Rowling's books and attempts to explain them through the basic principles of physics. Jill. True. Yeah, that is a real course that you can take. And apparently the professor does sometimes dress up as Dumbledore, so that's good news. Topics in comparative media, colon, American pro wrestling. From the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, this class examines the cultural history of professional wrestling with an emphasis on how shifts in wrestling characters demonstrate changes in the depiction of American masculinity. Wendy. I really hope that's not real. Wrestling is fake, but that class is real. Tree climbing, Cornell University. Exactly what it sounds like. Tree climbing will teach you how to get up into the canopy of any tree, to move around, even to climb from one tree to another without touching the ground. Jill. False. That is a real course, Jill. Oh. Cornell. At Cornell. Pretty good school. That is totally addressing indoor kids. Yeah. <laughs> Very true. Some of those kids uh, have spent so much time in schools preparing for their Cornell education, they've never seen a tree. They've never been in a tree. The modern hieroglyph, a semiotics of emoji, Pomona College. This class promises an exploration of the pictorial language that transcends cultures. Find the hidden messages behind the flamenco dancing lady. Understand which happy face is under the influence of mind-altering drugs. And uncover why that smile pile is so joyful. Wendy. Okay, I'm going to go with I hope it's not true again. You hoped correct. <laughs> that is fake. Mad Libs as Poetry, Colorado College. <laughs> in poetry, what you leave in is often less important than what you leave out. This creative writing seminar explores Mad Libs as a form of constrained writing and allows you to flush your preconceived puppies and gargle the construction of spaghetti. <laughs> Jill, you're shaking your head as if you are furious. Please be false. It is false. It is not a real class. Yes, your skateboard has much sweater. <laughs> the sexual politics of SpongeBob. Colon, hidden agendas in children's entertainment at UC Berkeley. As Freud said, sometimes a pineapple under the sea is just a pineapple under the sea. 
This course delves into the subconscious appeal of seemingly absurd children's television programs and how that stimuli affects adult relationships. Also, if sponges reproduce asexually, why do they have to still wear pants? <laughs> Wendy? I'm going to guess that one might be true. Because you want it, but it's fake. Uh, Thank goodness. Oh. oh, everyone wants that course. That's good. Sounds good. Uh, why it does, sound why good. does he wear pants? I don't know. <laughs> I think we just have to put everything in clothes. That's our hangout, man. That is it. That's totally. Sponges don't care. They have nothing to hide. Sponges let it all hang out. <laughs> That's right. This is your last clue. Surviving the coming zombie apocalypse, Michigan State. Brains. <laughs> You'll need them for this course, which examines planning, preparedness, and disaster management. And you can take the course online, which is helpful when you are trapped in a doomsday bunker <laughs> or a mall. Jill. True. Yes, it's a real course. <laughs> Archung, how did our contestants do? Well, congratulations to Jill. She's graduated and moving on to the final round at the end of the show. Our next round is called It's a Numbers Game, and here to play it are Allison Rupert and Rob Conroy. <laughs> Rob, Allison, we'd like to let the people know that you are in a committed relationship of six years, is that correct? I'm uh, heading towards seven. All right. <laughs> it comes after six. <laughs> it comes right after yeah. six, Allison. That's it right. It does. It's amazing, yeah. <laughs> well, the game that we're playing, we've never played this type of game before. We're going to list three things with a common theme that each have a numeric value. We want you to order them from highest to lowest. You will get an example. Do not worry. Let's go to our puzzle guru, Art Chung. So say we asked you to order the following people from highest to lowest by the number of times they were married. Mickey Mouse, Mickey Rooney, and Mickey Rourke. The answer would be Mickey Rooney married a whopping eight times, followed by Mickey Rourke married twice, and Mickey Mouse married only once, as far as we know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So only the fictional one stayed married. <laughs> you just have to say the order. You don't have to okay. say mm -hmm. the number. All right. And you only have one guess. So if you ring in and you get it wrong, your opponent can steal. Let's play. All right. Order the following from longest average lifespan to shortest average lifespan. People born in Washington, D.C.? People born in Washington State, U.S. President George Washington. <laughs> Rob. Uh, people born in Washington State, U.S. President George Washington, and people born in Washington, D.C. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Allison, do you want to steal? Sure. Uh, so Washington State, then Washington, D.C., then George Washington. That's correct. You got yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Order the following from most to least. Number of Oscar nominations for Oscar Hammerstein. Number of Emmy nominations for Emmy Rosam. Number of Tony nominations for Tony Shalhoub. I would just say ring in and guess. <laughs> Allison. Okay. Um, Emmy, Oscar, Tony. Wrong, but that's good. That was okay. great. <laughs> Rob? Uh, gonna go with Oscar, Tony, and Emmy. Yes, you are correct. Five Oscars for Oscar Hammerstein, three Tonys for Tony Shalhoub, zero Emmys for Emmy Rosam. Sorry to point that out continuously, Emmy, but that is the show. Just speaking the truth. Order the following numbers from highest to lowest. Solo studio albums by Michael Jackson. Theatrical feature films directed by Peter Jackson. Children adopted by President Andrew Jackson. <laughs> Rob. I'm going to go with studio albums by Michael Jackson, children adopted by Andrew Jackson, and films directed by Peter Jackson. I'm sorry, that is incorrect, Rob. <laughs> Allison, do you know the answer? No, but I will say... Uh, <laughs> Films directed by Peter Jackson. Uh, something about Michael Jackson. 
And children adopted by Andrew Jackson. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I like the something about Michael Jackson. Part. Exactly. I don't, and I love Michael Jackson. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. remember. All right, this is your last question. Order the following populations from largest to smallest. Passengers and crew on board the Titanic. Cast and crew credited on the film Titanic. <laughs> uh, uh. Population of the town of Titanic, Oklahoma. <laughs> Allison. Um, okay, the cast and crew of Titanic. The, or of the film Titanic. Mm-hmm. And then Oklahoma. And then Titanic. Nope. <laughs> Good shot, but no, Ross. Cast and crew of Titanic, people on the Titanic, and the Oklahoma town population. Very close, but surprisingly, <laughs> the answer is the ship actually had 2,207 people. The film credited crew and cast. I don't even understand why we had to put that in, but clearly there's some legal language. <laughs> 1,446. And the town, 223. Because <laughs> why? Just change the name. Yeah. Nobody wants to live in Titanic. No. Do you want to live in Hindenburg, North Carolina? No, you don't. <laughs> no. All right, that was a very hard game. You guys did amazing. Archung, how did our contestants do? Allison, congratulations. You're moving on to the final round. Now we're going to crown this week's grand champion. Let's bring back John, Samantha, Del, Jill, and Allison. They'll be playing our Ask Me One More final round, and our puzzle guru, Archung, will lead this final round, curiously called Blank of Blank. I fear all the answers in this round will be a three-word phrase with the word of in the middle. So, for example, if I said it's a popular nickname for Pittsburgh that refers to its many river-spanning structures, you'd say City of Bridges. We're playing the spelling bee style, so one wrong answer and you're out. You only have a few seconds to give me that answer, and the last person standing is our Ask Me Another grand winner. For your prize, you'll receive a picture of a wolf drawn by Lulu Miller and an autographed NPR dog bowl, which can also be used as a wolf bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Stakes are high. Remember, we're looking for a three-word phrase with the word of in the middle. Here we go. John, it's a summer holiday, also known as Independence Day. Fourth of July. That's right. (laughs) Samantha, in education, a BS stands for what degree? Bachelor of Science. You got it. (laughs) Dell, on this long-running TV game show, it costs $250 to buy a vowel. Wheel of Fortune. You got it. Jill, at most weddings in the U.S., she's the female counterpart to the best man. Um, Maid of honor. That's right. (laughs) Allison, on college campuses, it's the awkward journey back to your dorm room in the morning wearing the previous evening's clothes. Walk of shame. You knew that one. (laughs) Back to John. Eagles, hawks, and falcons are examples of raptors, which are also known by what phrase? Birds of prey. That's right. Samantha, if I said that Jonathan Colton has a heart of stone, I don't mean he literally has a rock in his chest. It's just an example of what rhetorical device? A turn of phrase? That's right, or a figure of speech. <laughs> Dell, named after a European monarch, this town outside of Philadelphia features one of the largest shopping malls in the country with over 400 retail shops and 13,000 parking spaces. Three seconds. I'm from Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, step aside. Jill, do you know the answer? Mall of America. No, I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Please step aside. Allison? King of Prussia. King of Prussia is what you're looking for. (laughs) We have to say goodbye to two players. We're going to John. According to a hit Rolling Stones song from 1978, I'll never be your what? Beast of Burden. That's right. (laughs) Samantha, in William Shakespeare's Julius Caesar, a soothsayer warns Caesar to beware the what? Ides of March. Beware the Ides of March. (laughs) 
Allison, often found in salad bars, this vegetable comes from the inner core of certain tropical trees. Three seconds. No answer. Oh, oh. oh, sorry, we're out of time. Let's see if John knows the answer. Heart of Palm. Hearts of Palm is correct. You have to say goodbye to Allison. We are down to Sam and John. Samantha, this Fox drama series is focused on the Salinger siblings who had to raise each other after losing their parents in a car accident. Party of Five. Party of Five is correct. John, in this Joseph Conrad novella, the main character's last spoken line is, the horror, the horror. Three seconds. No answer. Samantha, if you get this right, you are grand prize winner. Heart of Darkness. You got it. Congratulations. Congratulations, Samantha. You are asking the other big winner. Enjoy your wolf bowl and wolf drawing. Congratulations. That is our show. Thank you so much for playing. Check out our podcast on iTunes or Stitcher, and you can find us on Facebook or Twitter at NPR Ask Me Another. And please come see us live or apply to be a contestant. Just go to amatickets.org. Ask Me Another's puzzle guru is Art Chung. Hey, my name anagrams to Mark Thug. Our house musician is Jonathan Colton. Thou Jolta Cannon. Additional puzzle writing by Matt Foster, Adam Markowitz, J. Keith Van Stratton, Kathy Zhao, and senior writers Karen Lurie and Dan Schofield. Ask Me Another's produced by Denny Shin. Shednini. Lena Mazitsis. L.A. is Minizitz. Mike Katzif. Mitika Fez. Annabelle Bacon. And Abba Clone. And our intern, Julia Melfi. I'm Jail Fuel. Along with Anya Grunman. A damn angry nun. We are recorded by Damon Whittemore. A Midtown Theorem. Our executive producer is Jesse Baker. Jab Seekers. Ask Me Another was created by Eric Newsom. Curium Zen. We'd like to thank the Biome Theater. Bathe My Heart. 90.5 WESA. AWES. And our production partner, WNYC. CYNW. I'm her ripe begonias. Ophira Eisenberg. And this was Ask Me Another from NPR. Next time on Ask Me Another, VIP Ellie Kemper recounts the pitch for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, her unlikely comedy about a girl who emerges from an underground cult to restart life in New York City. And I left that dinner and I did think they were pranking me. But I was wrong because that was the premise. Join me and Ophira Eisenberg on Ask Me Another, NPR's hour of puzzles, word games, and trivia. Support for NPR and the following message come from the Candida Fund, supporting individual dignity and sustainable communities through investments in transformative leaders and ideas. Learn more at kendedafund.org.